it was scary to watch. It's scary to watch. How you doing, everybody? Welcome to Writer's House on Ringer FC. First, I've got to say, this was recorded before the Champions League, so I'm sure the guys on Stadio will be covering that. But on the show today, we're going to be talking about Liverpool's mentality and how amazing they are, bringing in the players they brought in and still slapped the team aside. Leeds and Arsenal, Bielsa and his greatness. There's a stat with me and Alan Shearer about the over 30s, but I want to talk about somebody else in that, and that person is Frank Lampard. He's getting flowers for that midfielder. And I'm also... Going to be giving Danny Welbeck flowers because I love him. Dagenham and Redbridge get a mention. So when you listen to that, you'll know why they get a mention. And I'm going to be giving just a little story about Glenn Hoddle, David Beckham and England and set pieces and quality and achieving and just being the best you can be. And joining me to talk about it is Musa Kwongo and Jeanette Kwashe. So hopefully you enjoy the show. This episode is brought to you by the Hyundai Santa Fe. For a capable SUV with intuitive tech and safety features designed for all your family's adventures, check out the new Hyundai Santa Fe. Learn more at HyundaiUSA.com. This episode is brought to you by Nutro Natural Choice Dog Food. Everything dogs do, they give their 100%. Feed them food to help them keep giving it their all with Nutro Natural Choice Dog Food. Nutro, feed clean. Learn more at Nutro.com. Made with non-GMO ingredients. Trace amounts may be present due to potential cross-contact during manufacturing. How are you doing, everybody? I'm just having such a great time doing the podcast at the moment. And my guests today are the wonderful Jeanette Kwashi. How are you doing, Jeanette? How are you doing, Ian? I'm good, <laughs> man. I can tell it. No, I've and missed you, you know. I've missed have you. Have you missed bit. me? Yeah, I have. I have. I wonder if people could guess who my other guest is today. With a beautiful skinned one. Who's <laughs> 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 the Congo, bro? <laughs> How you doing, Moose? I'm good. Magnificent. I got my new uh, Righty's House microphone, microphone. drip. Oh, good. Got I the gold. Yeah, I got the gold ink. Got I the love gold that, ink. man. I got to see Jeanette's put it to the, to the actual um, side where I can just read it. I can see it. It's just so you know where you are. Energy. Yeah. Energy. What happened? How's, how's everything outside the house, Jeanette? Because like you, you had, the, the, have they finished? Oh my goodness. So last week, of course, I was meant to be on with you. Ryan came to save the day because I had a festival of roadworks outside my house. Oh my um, I tried to explain that I was going to be on a podcast with Ian Wright. They didn't, they weren't having it. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm I tried so to say, look, guys. I'm the name and it doesn't work anymore. <laughs> so my ego's just deflated. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, oh, I'm good. Uh, all good. All nice good. Fun. Moose, everything cool? Yeah, it's great. All good here in Berlin. Uh, temperature has dropped to three degrees, so there is a problem. And so, in Berlin, the cold is like barbed wire, so you have to be put your guard up. But still, it's fine. It's really thing because because um, when I come to when I come to Roscoe's in Wrighty's house, I get to speak to um, Myla fourteen weeks. When's the last time you had a, a conversation with a fourteen week old baby, bro? Oh my goodness, it's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> Honestly, I'm, I'm, you know something. I'm gonna have to get. I'm gonna have to get Katie to send. I'm gonna get Katie to send it to the to the WhatsApp group so you could see how the minds just connected, man. <laughs> the minds uh, connected know? with you in the 14 week old. Honestly, the mentality. I talked about mental. I gotta say, mental. Liverpool. Let's go. You know what? I'm gonna go. I'm not gonna go long on Liverpool, guys. Mm. I don't know. If, did, you, did you see the game? 
Yes. I did. Yes. Yes. Honestly, I'm not joking, right? Going into the game, I, I was so like, yes, right. Now we'll see with all the, all the injuries. And we're talking about first teamers out. This is a, a test against a team that won every single away game, Leicester. Right. You know, won every single away game, got players that can hurt you from wingbacks, midfield, up front. And Liverpool literally swatted them, bro. Right. It was, it was, it was scary to watch. It's scary to watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? It was just the mentality of the team and the players simply because of what they're trying to do, especially coming off of losing to Villa not long ago. So people thinking, oh, Liverpool, oh gosh, what's happened to Liverpool? And then they're not the reserve team, but young players and players who are inexperienced at that level coming in and literally swatting Leicester away. Curtis Jones reminded me of Thiago, actually. You remember Thiago over at Chelsea went to Atletico Madrid and Leon? Yes. You know, you just bring in Thiago and Thiago would just do whatever you had to do. Put him in the middle third, put him in a slightly more advanced role. Yeah. He would just shut things down, retain possession, recycle possession, but progress mm. the ball. That to me is what Curtis Jones does. It's it unbelievable. Was it was seamless. Yeah. Curtis Easy. Jones, just, he looks to me, Janet, like he could, play at any level for, for Liverpool, at any level, if it's Champions League, whatever it is. Beautiful. But the thing about it as well, they've gone in with a champion's mindset. I remember off the back of um, last season when they won the title, Klopp said, we're not going to defend our title, we're going to attack uh, attack mm. the title. Yeah. And it's that mentality, isn't yeah. it? You can't go in thinking, right, we're the champions, we have to hold on to this thing. You've got to go again. You've got to think yeah. to yourself, right, how are we going to make sure we win this and win it well? And yeah. I think that that's the mentality. And I love that about Klopp and Liverpool. You know what, Moose? You know, when in that kind of, when you're in, have you ever been in that situation in a vicinity? I'm sure you have as well, Jeanette, where it's just, you know something, I'm in a special place. Yes. I remember with Arsenal going into that, when we'd done the double season, I'm in a special place. I remember I'd done it and I posted it today. I love the lads. Roscoe was asking me, what was that about? Why'd you do that? And I just said, because I just, I just fucking love them because I know that right now something's yeah. happening that's special. And you can see with Liverpool going into the training ground. Can you imagine? The energy. Imagine the energy. Now, can I talk about this? So Arsenal were really good at this. What I think Wenger was really good at was just letting his players demolish teams to just enjoy that kind of festival atmosphere. Yes. So you, you had the 7-0 against Everton and that energy that you get. And I think Wenger would allow his teams to do that. Mm in order to like build that bonding, like he allowed players to play through the full 90 mm -hmm. at that intensity to kind of build that atmosphere and build that kind of almost aura, if that makes sense. Yes. Maybe that's what um, he's saying. That's what he's saying, what Jeanette said about attack. Because in like, I know it's been a short preseason for, for Liverpool. Liverpool with the 7-2, the you have to say, oh my gosh, that's a blip. You know, that, is, that, is, that was a blip. Because mm. when you see a second string come in, Jeanette, and then they just hit the ground running against a team that is, is challenging, Leicester. Yeah. It's frightening. Listen, Jota, when I, when I think about Jota and how he's been able to slip in and do what he's doing in that role and do it in the time frame as well, you mm. have to say, okay, this is a, a guy who's taken an opportunity. And I love yes. that. Like when yeah. you're going in and you're taking an opportunity saying, you know what, I actually deserve to be here as well. It just makes everybody feel at ease. The rest of the team is at ease. Yeah. Because even if you're, big superstar is out of the squad due to injury or whatever, you know you've got a man that can back it up and do it well. Yes. You know, the thing with it is as well, Jeanette, is that because they bought Jota, remember where he's trying to come and make an impression yes. in that front three. 
And this yeah. is why when you look at it, Firmino is about the safest out of those guys. And yes, Mane will play. Salah will play. But what will happen is in the squad, people say, all the best trying to get in there. Yes. Wolves players would have probably said, oh, look, he's just gone there to sit on the bench. The fact is, he's gone into an environment where he's had to go, I'm going to have to go here. I'm going to have to go again here. So any opportunity I get, I have to take full advantage of it. Because you look at it now, you say to yourself, well, if anything's happened with Mane or Salah, no, we ain't got no problem. There's no problem. So the Liverpool players around as well now, Moose, are totally, they're just so happy right now. Also, then there's, a, there's a competitive element as well. There's something about, you know when Chelsea were peaking and they would always add the new beast to the midfield mm-hmm. in particular. Mm. And so Frank Lampard basically had to survive yes. Baron. He had to survive Balak. They would Balak. add, like, yeah, just yeah. when like Chelsea were peaking, you'd be like, okay, they're great. Like Liverpool now. And they added Jota. When Jota went there, I thought this man is a problem mm-hmm. because what's that comment he came out with? Oh yeah. Like, they're like, oh, is this the best football you've played? And he's like, it's the best club I've played for. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, this okay, man is coming. Yeah. He's coming for everyone's neck. <laughs> wow, he is. Can I just say, last season, I asked my husband um, about that Liverpool front three. I said, oh, if you had to maybe get rid of one of them, who would you pick? This man looked at me like I disrespected a member of his family. I said, <laughs> I get it. Like, I understand, but mm. eventually one's got to go. And yeah. it's interesting you say that, right? That you think Firmino's the safest. Why do you say that? Simply because of the way he plays. He plays differently to the rest of them. And that is why he can stain that team even when he hasn't scored. And I was very surprised that people were saying, oh my God. And when you looked at those chances that he, were miss- he was missing, you think to yourself, oh my God, a striker missing those chances. But what Firmino brings to Liverpool, Salah or Mane doesn't do it. And no one else in the whole squad can yeah. do it with the way he links the team and what he does. And I thought the game against Leicester the other day was one of the, it was him at his best again. And only thing that was missing was the goal. And the goal he scored in the end was a much more difficult chance than he did have. Um, but at the same time, his link up playing his skill, Liverpool, as much as they've got Jota, and at, at some stage, they're going to have to try and find a different way to play at, as a front three when Firmino's not playing, or they're going to yes. have to find somebody that can do the same thing. Wijnaldum, I reckon, is the best. Mm, okay. Wijnaldum is the only other guy that can play as a six. Basically, Firmino plays the discipline of like a defence midfielder as a, as a central striker. That's almost impossible mm. to replicate. I think Wijnaldum actually can do it. And I think I want to give him some credit because yeah. he's just extraordinary. Like, there are some players that come in and they don't care what their stats are. You can tell that he's a guy that doesn't care yeah. what his... The only thing I think he cares about probably is pass completion. Yes. Because I think he cares about not wasting possession. He just cares about doing the right by his team. Mm-hmm. And those players are indispensable. You know, for me, I've said before about who I'd sell from that front three, so I don't want to bore anyone with that on the podcast, but mm-hmm. it wouldn't be Firmino. No, no, no. No yeah. way Firmino. You know something? We got, I'm going to move to Leeds simply because, not that I want to get it out of the way, but Leeds have to get love simply because of oh my goodness. their attitude. <laughs> their attitude towards, the manager's attitude towards the way his team plays, that he's unapologetic about whatever, um, the, um, the way they play and who they're playing. And what yes. was that quote? I, I, I saw a quote the other day. Where is it? I think I wrote it down somewhere where he said, if, you're, if you value your style of play, then you have to accept the consequences that come with it. And what I love about that is, is that the Leeds fans are totally not bothered about getting hammered by this one and that one because mm. he will not compromise on the way he plays. They right. should have beat us. They should have beat us the other day. Oh, bad chances. But at the same time, there is something about Leeds and Bielsa's Bielsa's um, approach that is just so 
So refreshing. Do you know yeah. Leeds? Do you know Leeds are like you know when you have you know when you're cooking you always have garlic, right? <laughs> you need garlic. <laughs> always garlic. It's like Leeds are like they're like the garlic in the Premier League. Like you just, yeah. it, just like, yeah. it improves yeah. the quality of the whole sauce. Just them being there, it's like ah, oh, like yeah, yeah. No, like, it's no moose. It's like you putting smooth peanut butter in. It's you've brought something in that you don't business what anyone else says. That you just I'm know putting, you trust it. I'm you trust that ingredient. In. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. You trust it. But then I just I know we speak about the fans not being in the stadium a lot, but my goodness, I don't know why I feel so sorry for the Leeds fans. Like this for them, they oh, it, it would be blowing oh, their minds, God. right? Yes. Like yes. they would be living for this, mm-hmm. living for it. And Leeds have come in and you're right, right? They don't it's like it's not a disrespect, but they, they don't fear. They mm-hmm. go in and say, okay, we're here now. We're here to play. Yeah. And there's none of that kind of like, oh, here's a big team. No way. Look, Bamford mm. is just like, mm, Bamford, yeah. I'm into you know, it. I love it. You know it. the thing Shepard as well? Is- you know the thing as well, Moose? I was just going to say, what I loved about Bielsa as well is, yes, they play how they play. And, you know, with Calvin Phillips there and the way he plays, because when he was missing, they haven't got anyone else to do that. And that is the only thing you can say with Leeds yeah. is that if one thing falls down from the players not doing that particular job, they'll probably get beaten because it's so reliant on everybody doing their job properly. Of course, but yeah. When yeah. Arsenal started that game, we started it okay. Done okay. We were getting forward. We was doing okay. But then Bielsa just put click. He just put him further forward, man. And then yeah. that just brought back, brought Jacques and Ceballos even further back from our front men. And that literally just finished us. We were finished. Mm. William weren't playing great. Didn't go really well for William. We know we saw what happened with Pepe. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, like when you when the leads get close to midfield, there's a thing I would like to. Um, I would almost call it like catapult passing. You know when you have like a catapult and you pull back the elastic yes. really really far, and yes. then when you finally release it, it just shoots forward. Yes, leads are the masters of like catapult passing. They're basically no, like man, they're pull. like a pinball in the middle of the pinball. Bam, 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 bam. Yeah, they'll put they'll, they'll put it they'll put it right back. Yeah. I mean, there was one move in the middle of the pitch when four of them exchanged it. Yeah, like just passing square, and then they yeah. hammered it forward. Yeah. yeah, what you have to say with leads is if they can which they will, they'll, they'll yeah. stay in the Premier League. And depending mm. on how long Bielsa stays, because you know that kind of manager, yeah. you, you don't know how long he's going to stay. You don't know how long mm. he's going he's to stay for. But if they can then now get themselves in a position where they can buy the players that he would really implement what he wants, you have to say that because of their fearless temperament, they're not afraid of anybody. Right. And, then, and, and they're not afraid to lose. They're not afraid to go to Palace and you think, What's happened to Leeds today? Yeah. yeah. They're not afraid to get that hammering. So once they get the right players, the right components, yes. it's frightening. Yeah. It's frightening for people. Are people looking? Yes. Well, imagine, here's the thing. Look at the sales pitch of Leeds. You go to any of these players and you say, listen, we have the ball more than anyone in the Premier League. Mm. I think Leeds might finish this season with the highest percentage of possession of any team in the Premier League. Wow. Well, they had 66% against Arsenal. Like they, they have the ball all the time. Mm. Imagine selling that to a young player, a young defence midfielder yeah. or an ageing mm-hmm. striker. We're going to have the ball here, here, here. You'll take that. You'll take that. Who wouldn't you take, will take and that? They really, they really frustrated Arsenal, didn't they? Like, yes. Pepe, um, I need to get your opinion on this, guys, mm-hmm. because mm. I, I look at that incident in that game and I think to myself, like, it's a really stupid thing to do. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I guess rightly, when you're in the moment and you've been wound up to the point where you have to react like that, mm-hmm. like it's a straight, obviously it's a straight red. It's mm-hmm. being, you, you're going to get sent off. Like, why did he do that? Like, why would you do that? Considering the scoreline and what was at mm. stake. 
You know, the thing is, Jeanette, when you look at it like that, because I'm quite pleased because people for some reason thought that I was ready to go. And yes, I played on the edge, but I got myself booked some of the times for stupidity. But I never went over the edge to the point where I'd done stuff like that. I got sent off in my last, see, last season of my career. I think it was last 18 months when it started to get really silly with the sending offs. I think f- three times. I didn't really get sent off. I was in control to the point when people wound you up. Now he was getting wound up. Mm. But then what you can see as well is, is that he's, you've got to look at him. And the thing is, I was very disappointed and angry at the time because you are, we needed him on the pitch. But when you get time to sit down and think about that guy's state of mind right now, right. and that's what you have to do right now. Mm. Yes, we know that he's a very talented player who, you know, he wants to play. He's said that he wanted to play. He wants to play more. Of course he does. You know, he's a 72 million pound investment that you want to see him start to play some consistent football. It's not happening. At the moment, he's not even making the team. Mm. So then you, you, you play against a team like Leeds who don't care about, you don't care about your, your team. You're going, it's a tough game for him. You know, it's a tough game for him. The guy is obviously knows everything about him because you could tell. Bielsa has probably given Alioski every single thing about that guy. And then probably you throw into the, you throw into the mix his state of mind right now. Yeah. All right. So, so that happens. Alioski does exactly what he does. And then Pepe, you know what I mean? He plays poorly. He gets sent off. And, you know what I mean? Mikel probably gave him a rocket at halftime. And then he comes out and then he does that. So it's all going wrong for him. But you know what? I I would have been angry before, but I I, I forgave him simply because I have to think of the situation he finds himself in right now and the pressure that comes with that, Moose. That's, That's what it is, Moose, for me, Jeanette. Well, we don't talk about this enough. Um, mm. The pressure of the transfer fee mm. and the fact that these players are seeing on Instagram, they're hearing the yes. jokes, they're seeing the memes. They've got relatives, cousins, sending them stuff in WhatsApp, little jokes, yeah. mm. all of that stuff. And his numbers last year were not particularly impressive. It's a £72 million signing. And that game we went to that time against Vittoria when he scored those two amazing free kicks. Yes, yes. Do you know what is so deflating for a guy like Pepe? Pepe, maybe when he was at Lille, you have a performance like that, your name is known across Europe. Yeah. But the PSG performance he put him when he, got, he destroyed them, they beat him 5-1. He doesn't, re- I don't think he realised at the time, you're expected to produce that every single game, yes. like it's nothing. And that probably is Probably got actually, bought off of that. Got, probably the, got yeah, bought off of being able to bring, get to right. that level, Pusa. Every game. And the thing is, like, his level for a winger, he's just a normal, inconsistent winger. You know, the old days had wingers that were like amazing yeah, one game, yeah, in, one yeah. in every three games. Yes. But no, we're expecting, Arsenal bought him expecting a Mark Overmars. Mm. and that is the problem yeah. for him. And he knows he'll come off. One of the most devastating things for him is like, he'll come off a game like that, like the Victoria game. And the next morning at training, it's like, do it again, Pepe. Yes, please. Thank you. Yeah. And, and, that, that, is, and that is too much. That yeah, I think that pressure. Yeah. Does that make mm. sense, Jeanette? Right. Yeah, but yeah. If, I don't know. It's like, if, 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 if you can do it and you've kind of trained yourself to say, right, I'm going to be in that position to do it. Okay. Yeah. It's pressure to do it over and over again. Mm. But surely that gives you the confidence to do it. Like that shows to me, there's a limit in self-belief. Surely, surely. Yeah. Maybe it's that. But the thing, Jeanette, it's like. Not everyone can do that. Like mm. some people write one great novel in their lives. Some write 30. Look at mm. Iris Murdoch. Iris Murdoch wrote countless novels. You can't even remember. Alfred Hitchcock wasn't only a yeah. great director. He wrote amazing investigative novels. Some people write one thing and it burns them out. Some wingers only have one great season in them. And that's it. That's it. That's it. I and know, I hate yeah. to be harsh, but you see him. If he goes somewhere like Betis, Rail Betis, he might light the place up. Mm. less pressure, less of an online pressure, less of fandom, less an expectation. Also the expectation of what Arsenal were 
Mm-hmm. He is walking in the footsteps of legends. Like, like your great comment, you made a comment actually, Ian, um, was I'm at today about Bukayo Saka. And like, oh, gosh. Yeah. that is a horrifying level of pressure. You've got this really young fan base who've grown up with the legend of Arsenal and have actually lived it. Yeah. And they hear their parents talk about the great Arsenal and they mm-hmm. look at Bukayo Saka and they're expecting the similar kind of, oh, when are Arsenal going to elevate? And the parents yes. are like, you know what? It's going to take 20 years at for that to happen again. Right. Can I ask actually, when mm-hmm. I know you talked a lot to the, to the younger players at, at Arsenal and stuff, and I guess across the league, what do you say to them? Cause in this, you never had this level of social media and this no. level of pressure. Like that's a different element. Like, what do you say to them? How do they manage that? Like Saka, it, it's, it's constant, yeah. isn't it? You're, it? We're looking to him as Arsenal fans to be this like, little savior. And he's tiny. He's our, most so creative he's our most creative player at 18. Oh and gosh. this is when you, when you look at it like that, there's, something fundamentally wrong when that is happening, where he has to play so frequently to help a team like Arsenal to win. Mm. And, you know, even more so when we look at, for whatever reason, Meza Ozil can't even get a squad number. I, like, you know, it's something that you can't ignore. I'm not going to think ignore that elephant in the room. You know what I mean? I don't know what's going on, but it's more than football for me. Right. A footballer is not playing football and a football club that's paying a footballer enormous sums of money to have played football, what they gave him in the first place, what is he supposed to say no? And then they can't come to some agreement for the, for the best of the club. And this is what it comes down to. It's for the best of the club that they st- get somebody in there who can create and can play and get Arsenal going because we've just signed um, Aubameyang on an unbelievable contract, which he deserved, and we cannot get the ball to him. And that we're asking an 18-year-old to come off the bench who's just played three games, he's played three games for England, He's just got into the England squad. He's played three games, you know, continually. And then he's coming. And now he's injured. He, he yeah. got a little injury. Don't know what's wrong with him. That is too much pressure already. Mm-hmm. It's like well, even when Guendouzi yeah. was there, played so many games in his first season. It's like if we had the right players, so then you can introduce them slowly to get up to speed, like we've done with Fabregas. And then you saw what he turned into. That's how it's meant to be. It's not like that, Moose. It's a patient game, isn't it? It's about being patient. Who do you think in the Arsenal squad at the minute, Moose, right, like, is, is a bit of a contrast to someone like Pepe, who's actually knuckling down? Kieran Tierney. Okay, there you go. Kieran Tierney. Tierney. Even, 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 to finish my question. No, 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 you can't, no. <laughs> Kieran Tierney and the way he reacted at the end of that game, he's a future captain for mm, our club. Okay. And he's the, kind of, he's the kind of guy, because what he was saying to, to Alioski, um, it hurt him so much that, yes, we know that what Pepe done was, was silly. Um, and he, it, obviously he very much regret that. But KT could not deal with the fact that a, a professional has done that to another professional player, dived. And maybe seeing somebody else like talking to him and being, that really riled um, Kieran Tierney up. Because yeah. he's not having that. Because you, you look at Kieran Tierney, it's the, it's the, it's the attitude uh, and the mentality that Arsenal need right now. Yeah. Not enough of them around it, maybe, in his eyes, have got that. So that's why he went and uh, he, he approached Alioski to say to him, you're out of order. It's the kind, I'll tell you who, back in the day, who had the same kind of, um, didn't get the same kind of props as everybody else, uh, but he had that attitude. Anything that happened with in and around me, he was there. David Hillier. Remember a player called David Hillier? Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. He, he adored the club. Everything about it, he was one of those players that was just one of those players you can easily forget. But when I saw Kieran Tierney doing that, it's the kind of thing that David Hillier would do the same. He would not be able to let that pass because that was out of order. And you don't want to see players in and around that player after 
as much as we didn't lose the game, after you see that player intentionally getting sent off, because whatever we say, as silly as Pepe was, that was not a headbutt. It was a coming together. And then there was, a, it's not enough for him to dive, go down like he did. But we're playing in times where you do that because you know the consequences and you know what's going to happen. You will be sent off for that. But Kieran Tierney is the one that I would say to that question, Jeanette, is somebody that I've got so much faith in. Yeah. So much faith in. Him and, and Mikel, we've, the, 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 the Arsenal fan base at the moment, they need, they need to just be a little bit more patient and remember what he is trying to turn around. Something's happening defensively. Yes, Leeds could have beat us, but they didn't. And that's a game we could have crumbled in a couple of years ago, easily. Could have crumbled in that game. He's working on defence. He's trying to get something going in the midfield to then help the forwards. It's not going to happen overnight. We can't, mm. be fa- we can't be this feast and famine club with our, to- our, our, our fan base being so toxic some of the times. It's horrible. It's uncomfortable to listen to some of the stuff. Can I actually throw in an example of someone that re- reminds me of in terms of Tierney? You know, like when you have a, a club or a manager who's not doing well, but that, re- that player refuses to drop their level. So um, when Sandro Tonali was at Brescia and they went down mm. last year, he was like amazed. He was 20 years old, playing defence mm. midfield. Team was getting hammered quite a few weeks and kept his level. Then Milan signed him. They put him in the middle of their team and now they're top of Serie A. Right. A guy like that is a future captain of perhaps club and country because he refuses to let his level drop. Exactly. There's exactly. a great, the great Roy Keane story when Roy Keane gets signed by Forrest where they go in to watch him and they're four nil down and they watch Keane playing as if it's nil nil. Remember that season when they went down, when he then went to Man. I remember when we played against them, we were beating them and he was swearing at players saying, what are you doing? We're, f- we're getting fucking relegated here. Amazing. It, that's what Roy Keane was saying. You know what I mean? Amazing. He was like charged up. That's what you need. That's what Honestly, you need. Honestly, you need that. that. You, this Eat is why that. you you need to see the Kieran Tierney's because what- He's the what, guy. Yeah, Keane is the guy. For me, everyone always, everyone always says, who's the guy from that era? And I was like, Roy Keane is the guy I sign. Any player from mm. the United era, yeah. I put Roy Keane in any team because none of it happens without him. And the thing yeah. is, is well, people talk about Tony Adams as a captain. Of course, I was very fortunate to have him as a captain. I saw him go through his different levels of, you know, the captaincy and the lows in his life and the highs. You know what I mean? But if there was a captain, you know, I'd put alongside him. It's definitely Roy Keane in respect of leadership. Mm. You know? Unbelievable. I guess that, but as we've moved on and we've moved into kind of a modern era of football, that style of leadership, it's not, ne- it's not necessarily the way forward, is it? We speak more about management, more man management and getting the best out of people. And like, I sometimes feel like Roy Keane is a rocket up your ass. Yeah. Am I right mm. in saying that? It's very much, it's, it's, it's a very in your face style management, really uh, motivating. He's not going to soft soap it. He's going to, he's gonna, no, he's not soft soaping it. Whereas these days it's very much about, like you say, man management, getting the best out of people. There's a psychology behind it. Moose is shaking his head. I don't know. I just, I think the players have got better at hiding that thing. I think because there's micro, yeah, because look, they always hide what they're saying. Yeah. The microphone. I think players are just a lot smarter at hiding it. I don't believe for a second someone like Luka Modric doesn't go brutal when no one's watching. Yeah. I don't believe for yeah. it. I can, you, you can imagine some of these guys have got a rocket mm. in them, but they now mm. know. I think a lot of the players now are protecting the dressing room even more than before, actually. Yeah. Quite a sacred. Does that, does, that make, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. 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 What, how do you mean? How do you mean protection? Just from well, I just mean like you know the fact that like you see players covering their mouths like because yeah, they don't want I'll things to get that. out, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So in the old days, you could rocket someone because you knew it wasn't going to get picked up by social media and replayed. You could go after a young player because yeah. you knew that young player wasn't going to get that replayed a million times. Yeah. So now, yeah. players are so smart. The rockets are happening somewhere else. They're happening in like a WhatsApp group, or they're happening face to face, or they're like happening offline. 
But that's what's happening. Yeah, exactly. But I think what's happening is those players are rewarding that privacy that players are having for them on the pitch. Mm. I think that I think these, I can't believe for a second that footballers are less intense than Keane was. I think they're still intense. I think we're just not seeing that played out so much in public. Mm. This episode is brought to you by the Hyundai Santa Fe. Around the bend, across the pond, off the beaten path, there's a lot of ways to say you're going places, but only one SUV that helps you get there as a family. The newly redesigned Hyundai Santa Fe. It's the SUV made for getting out there and doing more together. Take the scenic route with available H-Track all-wheel drive and a suite of intuitive safety features for more peace of mind. Plus, you'll stay comfortable wherever you're headed with the Santa Fe's available premium Napa leather seating, generous room for five, and sophisticated interior styling. Learn more about the Santa Fe by going to HyundaiUSA.com. This episode is brought to you by Nutro Natural Choice Dog Food. Tail wags that could clear a coffee table. Getting a whiff of a new friend's behind. Chasing squirrels, even in their sleep. Everything dogs do, they do with everything they have. Nutro Clean Recipes gives them the energy they need to keep living their best life with recipes that help them give it their all. Made with non-GMO ingredients, except the trace amounts that may come in contact during manufacturing, Nutro Natural Choice makes it easy to feed your dog well. With no artificial flavors or preservatives and recipes that would make any dog drool, you'll both be doing a happy dance when you fill up their bowl. Nutro. Feed clean. Learn more at Nutro.com. Trace amounts may be present due to potential cross-contact during manufacturing. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna move to um to this this stat because what happened was this there was, was I was doing a show the other day mm. with Shearer, right? Yeah. And this is this is flowers I'm giving out at the moment because it's one of the things that you don't really realize until you know people are trying to put the focus on you, but then you look at it and you think actually the focus should be over there. Mm. And it was a stat that in your thirties, you know, scoring the most goals in your thirties. Mm. And on the list, I think it was Teddy Sheringham, Jamie Vardy. So Teddy Sheringham, Jamie Vardy, 77 goals each in their 30s. Frank Lampard, 82. Shearer, 84. And myself was at the top, yeah, with 93. But the thing with that was Frank Lampard being in that list, bro. It's unreal. It's unreal. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You know something? It's the bad, one thing. Bad. It's the one thing that you think to yourself, and I remember. So the stat came up when it came up. We uh, we put it on the um, the Insta. Frank Lampard sent me, um, you know, the emojis with the hands up, like up in the air, hands saying thanks, right for the light, because it doesn't make no difference. Every single player now, you mention them. If it's Stevie Joe, any of the players, you give them love. They 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 love the love. They'll 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 send you a message. They'll say something. But the thing is. People have to understand the bouquet of flowers that I'm giving Frank, Frank Lampard right now for what he achieved. Because you remember as well, Moose, you mentioned those midfield players that came, were in around Chelsea, and he was still doing his stuff. This is a player, I remember going to, when I went to West Ham, the West Ham fans were calling him Fat Frank, giving him shit about, about you know, he's, oh, he's only in the team because his uncle's the manager and his dad's the coach. And one of the best things I've ever seen in respects of faith in somebody, did you see Harry Redknapp's interview, the interview. when Frank yeah. Lampard got yeah. it? Was, it, was, it was gold. 
it was gold because I remember once I was I was presenting the FIFA World Player Awards. I think who won it at the time? I think it was Ronaldinho won it when I when I done it. It was Ronaldinho, Frank Lampard, Samuel Eto'o. Sam Frank Lampard, who I saw at eighteen being called Fat Frank, was second to Ronaldinho, yeah. and Et- Samuel Eto'o was third. World Player right? Awards. Man's got to get flowers, man. Well, actually, I actually want to say this. Can I say mental strength, Frank Lampard? This is a guy who retook a penalty three times against West Ham mm. at West Ham yeah. and, and nailed it. Like nailed. This is a guy, I mean, Frank Lampard was basically, if Daley Thompson was a footballer, mm. he would be Frank Lampard. Lampard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, could you imagine? I never referenced the jungle much, right? I, I, in fact, I don't reference the jungle at all, but being in the jungle with Caitlyn Jenner, mm-hmm. the one person that Caitlyn Jenner said she was most afraid of and was, and was saying, is greatness uh, coming? Was uh-huh. Daley Thompson. Yeah, she said yeah. that wow. when, Jeanette, what she said was, anywhere they were, whether they were in the village, whether they were on the track, whether they, he's constantly asking questions. What about this? What do you do yeah. with that? What about this? How'd yeah. you do that? And what, some of the times I'd see him and I'd try and duck away because mm-hmm. he was so relentless in his quest to get yes. to the top. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, Frank yeah. Lampard was the Terminator. Exactly. Every, every season, you know how Sam Lampard didn't take amazing free kicks to start with. And then mm. he's scoring from like 30 yards in the semi-final against yes. Spurs. Astonishing free kicks. And it's like every player that came to Chelsea, he acquired one of their superpowers. Like like, like one of the X-Men. Do you know what I mean? He would absorb. <laughs> just absorbed like, it. One of those like sentinels. You know those sentinels yes. and X-Men. He's absorbing yes. the powers of all the X-Men. Ah. I didn't like that X-Men. You know that X-Men. It really frightened me. It was, yes, terrifying. It was Frank Lampard. That, that, was that, Frank- yeah. That, I'm going to call it the Frank Lampard X-Men. Simply because <laughs> the, way those, the way those sentinels were, yes. they were just indestructible. And I thought, oh my gosh. And how do oh you think gosh. now, now that he's moved into management, mm. like you speak about that quality as a player. How, how do you think he's going to do and bring that towards that, that Chelsea side? Like he's going to need some time, a bit more time, do you think? Um, I'll tell you what he's got. He's, what he's, he's got such good backing. Mm. And whatever anyone says um, about Jody Morris and them, they, people get things wrong some of the times. Mm. You know, they're young managers. You know, he's, he's had a year at Derby and, you know, all of a sudden he's got, he's got the, the club that he's a legend of. Even the other day yeah. I heard him say he was really worried about his legacy. Mm. You know, to take that job in itself, it could easily mm-hmm. have said, you know something, I'm not going to go with Chelsea because of my legacy. But that's when you're so, you, you, you're dealing with somebody who is so focused on just what's, what the target and, and, and the winning and what that's about. Mm. You know, what's that with, with Frank? Because he's so, what's the word I'm looking for? He's, he's so, he's tunnel vision for success. When I saw him as, like I said, I keep saying as an 18 year old, continually practicing outside continuous practice. Mm-hmm. I don't see any shift in the way he prepares. And when you look at his team, you know, you can see that Frank, he's not going to let any of them rest because mm. he never rested as a player. So when he sees somebody that can do more, he's going to make sure. And because of what he's done, they can't, what they're going to do, they're going to argue with him. Frank, Frank will be the first to tell you that you know, people talk about the midfielders. They'll, they'll always talk about Gerard and Scholes. They'll talk about them. They don't mention Frank in that same light as a footballer. Frank, yeah, he's a great goal scorer. But when they're talking about players, they mention Gerard and Scholes in front of him all the time. He worked himself into a position of greatness. And that's what he's going to try and do with Chelsea. He's going to work them to greatness. Can I be honest with you, Ian? They talk about natural talent and Lampard not having as much as XYZ. I don't actually believe that. Lampard technically 
was off the scale and is still underrated. You see that reverse pass he plays for Ramirez when yes. they play Barcelona. Yes. And the way that the gap opens and the second the gap opens, I think Mascarano comes to close him down. I'm not sure. And I think it's Mascarano comes to close him down and, and the ball breaks free and he plays it straight into the gap. Ruthless. Although the time that Danny Alves in the previous game just comes a few yards forward and yes. Lampard hits a perfect yard pass yeah. right over his head. Yeah, like but Musa, this is what I'm saying. Because yes. of his greatness, we're looking at, like I say, with this, with this, with this list up here, Jeanette, mm-hmm. and Frank Lampard's in it, the only midfielder in it. Yeah. The reason why he's in it is because he's, 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 he's scored so many goals, 20 a season. Mm-hmm. It overshadows those things, Musa. Yes. Because people only look at that. They don't look at the subtleties of how great he was. Because remember, when he went, he was an attacking midfielder. I've seen Frank play as a number six. I've seen him play yeah. all over. I've seen him box to box what he does. And he's still in that time of where he'll play anywhere. He'll play anywhere in that midfield. Sadoff. He was and our Clarence still- Sadoff. Exactly. He was a Clarence Sadoff. Oh my he was gosh, our Clarence yes. Sadoff. In terms of his quality, his technical ability, his tactical intelligence off the scale. And in terms of how he's underrated, he was just taken for granted, actually. But it's interesting that he's done that past 30. And that I think that's the whole point of the list, mm. right? To see yes. who past 30 has been able to do that. So there was an intelligence and the longevity that came with what he was about as a player mm. and as a person to be able to do that. And that's, that's such a hard thing to do. Like, as soon as you get to 30 in any sport, people start to retire you. They, they yes. talk about your age all the yeah. time. Your age proceeds. Jeanette, in life, as a writer, I was retiring <laughs> after 30. In life. Jeanette, I was 30. <laughs> 30. <laughs> it's like, yeah. If you're not married with kids by 30, you're done out here. And it's like, okay, yes. we, need to, we need to just stop that for a second and just see yeah, actually. Exactly. Some people just, you know, past the age of 30, you start to just do these amazing things. Look at Jamie Vardy. Like, you see it. Like, people, they take time. Not everybody's going to be mm. amazing at 17 exactly. at 18. Exactly. I Can I just say, Jamie Vardy terrifies me very quickly, Ian. <laughs> he terrifies me because how many amazing players are in non-league? Yes. How many amazing, and who aren't scoring goals? They're not that visible, but they're like amazing. Yeah. If you put like a defence midfielder in non-league into, let's say, Real Sociedad, mm. they could be mind-blown, but they're never going to get that chance. They're never going to have someone with the vision and the patience and the kind of the risk, you know, the opportunity for risk. Yeah. And there are astonishing players in the, well, it's like, look at, look at N'Golo Kante. Oh my gosh. You know, there's a great, another great song. Kante could have been, if Kante did not have the right agent, could have just slid off. We'd never have heard yeah, his name. We'd never heard of him. Talking yeah. about 30, we've got, you know, Flowers? Danny Welbeck. Oh. Danny Welbeck. You know what? Watching that goal, right? Watching that goal. And look, you know something, Moose, Jeanette? I was so happy because Danny Welbeck, just like Daniel Sturridge, just like Jack Wilshire, just, they have injuries that's curtail them, oh, right? Cool. That's stuck yes. them in their tracks, right? And oh, people kind of, t- when they speak about them, they speak about them with a disrespect and a ridicule, right? Yeah. And I remember when you watched the start of Danny Welbeck's career at Arsenal with the chance, what he, he ran through, the similar to what the goal he scored, and I'll, I'll go into it, and he, he, he hit the inside of the post yeah. with the same kind of run. And I think he'd done the same thing. In fact, he did against Real Madrid, but Casillas, talking about one of the great goalkeepers, you know, he kind of stopped him. But watching Danny Welbeck, right, a, a player, let's face it, it's kind of been written off. Yeah, Simply yeah, because once true. he left Arsenal with that last injury, mm. you know, Arsenal, bam, they moved him on. He went to Watford. When you start seeing someone go in somewhere like Watford, with all due respect to Watford, right, who were in the Premier League at the time, then you start feeling like, okay, it's starting to go it's that way. Yeah. It, it's going on that line. But then, and then when they only keep him for a year and as soon as they go down, they, they, they move him on because no one could tell me that Danny Welbeck would not have said to them if they were, 
Yeah, I'll stay if you want. I'll stay at Watford. I'll, I'll mm. try and bring you back up. But then he moves to Brighton and now it's starting to get to the, oh, he's gone from, oh, he's gone from, oh, he's gone from there. Yeah. But why not see him get that chance and the length of time he's got to get to that goal and score the goal? I, I was more nervous than him because I'm thinking <laughs> this, is, this is a seminal moment. Yeah. Seminal. Right. You look at Brighton now, they've put Mope, they've got O'Connell, they've got pace, they've got um, creativity with Lalana behind him. They've got gross. They've got players around them now where he's that elder statesman now. And in that kind of instant, that chance, those young players will say yes, because he had four, he had like four or five beautiful touches, just like Martinelli against Chelsea way back when Kante slipped. And you have to say, okay, let me see what you're capable of. This is a long way you're running with this ball. Let me see how you finish this. When Danny Welbeck ran all that way and finished it, it was like my heart was like beaming beaming because hopefully he can find a home now where he can stay fit Mm. and show people that, you know, yes, injuries can slow you down, but I've still got it, man. Cause he's 30 and we're looking at a list of 30 there, Jeanette, 30 (laughs) being written off. I'm so happy to see that goal. Had he not had those injuries, right? Where, where do you reckon someone like Danny, you know, like how much would he have thrived? Because the injuries, when you say curtailed, he, he sits on one, like at the top of my list in terms of someone who's had a terrible time and not been able to shine or fulfill Mm. potential. This is the kind of thing you say to, to Musa with a what if, because you're thinking to yourself, you know, when he left Man United, Moose, there was Mm. a lot of people who were very, very angry with that. There were a lot of people I, I, who were... I think he should have gone abroad. You think he should have went abroad? I think the only problem is, I mean, we, talk, we don't talk about money. I think one of the things is abroad maybe not offer the same kind of salaries as United did. But Danny Welbeck at his peak, there's a game when United beat Stoke 4-2. Mm. And I think it was Rooney got a couple, Van Persie got one and Welbeck got one. And Stoke were not conceding many goals at that time. It's like 2012. Mm. And Welbeck, Van Persie and Rooney, their movement blew Stoke away. They could not handle what they were doing. It wasn't just the movement. It was the interplay. It was the touch. All of it was spectacular. If Welbeck had gone to someone like Spain Mm. and played as a wide forward where his primary responsibility was not scoring and put him alongside like a central striker with a high output of goals and then another sort of slightly more creative winger, Mm. Welbeck in a front three would have destroyed teams. Mm. Then you throw in somebody like Danny Welbeck and he stays fit. And then playing like they're playing, very resolute at the back, goalkeeper's very good. All stuff where you're thinking, you know something, that is a very decent looking side now. It could be a Glenn Murray for them. Easily. In terms of that that dynamic, yeah, that dynamic of of staying on the top of the, leading the line and just will have all the stories in the dressing room. Can you imagine all the stories he'll have for the younger players, the ones that come from overseas about like what it was like when in the league with Rooney and Van Persie and how they trained and the professionalism, all of that. And it's going to blow people away actually, I think. Mm. This episode is brought to you by 3M. 3M has always been driven to improve lives with science and innovation. It's this forward-thinking mindset that led 3M to invent household items you've come to know and love, like post-it notes and command hooks. But 3M believes they have a responsibility to use their science to improve lives in even more ways. That's why they're responding to the COVID-19 crisis by working on solutions for some of today's biggest challenges, As a leading provider of personal protective equipment, 3M is producing critical products for healthcare workers and first responders and donating to local and humanitarian aid partners around the globe. They're also making more respirators than ever before, 
with plants working around the clock, producing more than 95 million respirators per month in the U.S., helping those on the front lines continue the fight. 3M Science. Applied to life. Learn more about how 3M is helping the world respond to the COVID-19 pandemic at 3M.com COVID. You know, when I tell people about Wrighty's House, mm. say, I said, so we've got Musa Kwonga, Ryan Hun, Carl Anker from The Athletic. <laughs> Jeanette Kwasi. And like Jeanette Kwasi. So classy, so classy. Right? So, 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 so Jeanette Kwasi, you know what they say? Always say, Jeanette Kwasi, was she, she the football, she was by the football club. Oh, no, it. Jeanette, man. Oh, no, you've got it. to tell me oh, about. The- you know what? Somebody one day sent me a, a screenshot of my, Wikipedia entry and on my Wikipedia entry it says I was, tried, um, was part of the consortium to buy Dagenham and Robert Dagenham. in 2016 I said oh my what's God. that about Jeanette you've got to explain say, like, okay alright I'll I give you I'll give you the headlines mm. basically just after my son was born, so 2015-2016, um, I, I met um, a guy called Glenn Tamplin. You've, you've heard of him. You might have heard of him. Mm. He's a big, like, um, non-league guy. He's from Essex and mm. he loves football and he wanted me to help train his son, do some speed work mm. with his son. His son was big on football. And I said, okay, sure, I'd help him out. So anyway, Glenn and I got really close. He was a great guy. We were always talking and stuff. But he was obviously massive into football and was keen on investing in football okay and then when I say invested in football I feel like oh he's gonna buy like a nice non-league club mm. it's gonna be like you know just local club do the the, the boys teams and I started ended up coaching the under 14s boys yeah. someone was training on and then all of a sudden I found myself involved in a consortium of mm. businessmen who were about to take over Dagenham and Redbridge a football club right uh. And I said, okay, how is this happening? I said to my husband, I think I'm about to buy a football club. He goes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why do you find yourselves in these situations? Well, essentially, what um, Glenn's from Dagenham, okay? Mm. And uh, I'm, I live um, close to the West Ham training ground. And he was like, I really want to buy this club. Like, they were, at the time, League Two. Mm. Um, they weren't doing very well. And I, I think he wanted to be able to build them back up mm. and really just go for it and see if he could get them into championship. Like, he had the biggest ambitions for this club. So, essentially, there was 10 of us. We got together. I was in business meetings, lawyers. We had to go and convince the club and the fans that we wanted to buy this club, right? Mm. We were like, look, we're on it. We want to buy it. Like, I stood up at the AGM and I spoke. Oh and I was God. passionate about that. Wow. I was like, I'm about to own a football club. I'm going to do this. And so eventually it turned around. um, The the way Dagenham and Redbridge works in terms of um, percentage of clubs and how much fans say, they actually went against it and they weren't that keen to let go. And Mm. I find that really interesting actually about English football and in terms of how much say fans have Mm. down lower leagues and how much that was around but at the time I was completely invested in thinking right I want to be part of a project where I'm going to turn things around with these guys and we're going to make this work I was so hands-on guys I could be sitting here talking to you as the owner of Dagenham and Redbridge and it's really Mm. sad actually because after that they ended up getting getting sent down they yeah um, yeah, so they're they're now non-league and and it's a massive shame because you think right what was the reason they were saying no, though? Why would they, they say no? I think they'd seen a lot of millionaire businessmen, local businessmen take yeah. over clubs and say, actually, they get bored after a little while and they think, okay, once you get bored with this club, where's mm. it going to go? 
what's going to happen. And we try to say, look, we'll make sure there's safeguards involved. So if any one of the consortium decides they want to sell off their shares or whatever, then, you know, the fans are definitely involved. I feel like we need more people kind of coming in on a local level and saying, right, let's do this with the club. Let's see if we can build it back up and make it a community and just really try and push this forward. Because there are people that are out there. Do you know, you know what, what I mean? I've got a lot of sympathy. I know what I mean. I, I get it's frustrating for you also. You look at Macclesfield mm. and I think a lot of people will be like, we'd rather go down or we'd rather our club like was almost on the edge than, than the alternative because the alternative is horrifying. And the thing is these horror stories will spread so fast and they do so, they do so much damage, don't they? Like yeah. these, yeah. when an owner goes rogue, you, they've got all the media yeah. platforms, all the whatever, and you don't have yeah. a single voice. And, that's, and maybe that was the fear, not because of you, but because of what's happened before. Yeah, guys, that's, that's my, I could have been an owner. Great story. It's a story. story. I could have been an owner. I'm so upset about it. That moves us nicely then onto City and a team that, remember, City were down in that third division at one stage, mm. right? Now they've got the owners that's come in and they have now, they've taken City to, global recognition. Yeah. I love watching Pep uh, like interview whether it's the start of the game or the end of the game. The disdain he has for whoever it is. Amazing. How quick he, how quick he leaves. How quick he leaves once it's done and everything. It's just like... It, As a manager, can they ever put their like, their like assistant manager forward? Or they Mourinho did it. Mourinho did it. Mourinho did it. Yeah, 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 Mourinho did it. Yeah. Who did I see? Uh, do you remember years ago when Brian Clough sent out a youth team player? To go to Brian Clough, did I ever tell you, did I tell you what, what Brian Clough done to us at Palace? So we're playing Forest and I think they're beating us. It was early days, Des Walker and that young team, Des Walker, you know what I mean? Um, and all those guys, they were, when they were flying and they were beating us maybe three or four, one. We were second division at the time, might have been a cup game or something. But I remember just seen a load of commotion on the side of the pitch. Like I see Steve Koppel being very animated, right? With himself. And I said, what the fuck's going on with them? And that's Brian Clough was just sitting in. I see Steve Koppel just, just sticking out in and everything. He took a substitute off and he didn't put one on. Oh my God. <laughs> the ultimate dis- like disrespect. Disrespect. And like when we came off, we was like, what's his problem? What's wrong with him? He took a sub off. And he didn't put one on. That is the most gangster mind game is of all. Is that pure gangster? Really? That is so gangster. That is the best. Wow. You know something? Uh, that is properly gangster. Because you know what? When we came in, when we came in and he said it, I was, I just laughed. It just made me <laughs> laugh because I thought only Brian Clough. You know something? Um, I was going to say in respects of, because um, like it just came back to me. I remember when with the set piece stuff at, um, with, with Arsenal. Watching it, I remember it took me back to England, right, with Glenn Hoddle, right, and David Beckham. Mm. And it was, it was one of those moments. You know, people talked about Glenn Hoddle's man management and right. how the players didn't like him. They didn't like him because he put on sessions that you were fucking tested, Moose. You mm. know, you see people like Sol Campbell shaking, bro, because, like, it was technical. Wow. You know, we'd be in a 25 by 25 yard square and it, the, the session would start with, Someone clips it into you on the volley. You have to manufacture it and volley it 25 yards down to the square down there and keep going across oh the 20, that square. So we're talking, in fact, you, you, let's say maximum would be 20 yards. So you have to you know, chip it into you, bam, you chest it. However you're going to keep it up, bam, you, you hit it over, there, over 15, 20 yards down there. If it, if it dropped, Glenn Hoddle lost his shit. 
Oh my telling God. us about you lot are the best 20 you're the best 23 players I can pick you can't keep this session going if it dropped once and I remember the time when he tried he was he, was, he wanted Bex to put a corner into this into the area just in that area over that first guy and then bam you do that and I think Bex he, he done a couple and then he, he got a couple where he didn't quite hit it he lost his shit again and he went over my goodness and he done it three times on the spin and it said to me, he says, when you are striving to be the best, when the, when, when, when the situation arises and the moment comes, right. and this is why when fucking Beckham scored that free kick against Greece, and when you see Beckham put the corners in for, 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 for Man United in 99, and you think to yourself, when the moment comes, fucking deliver. Right. That's Glenn Hoddle. And then when I see how Beckham went on, and of course Bex was absolutely like, gutted and you know he, he weren't happy with the way that he embarrassed him in front of people like that but then you look at what happened to Beckham after that and that is what I thought about when I saw um, Reese Nelson put those those corners in because you have to want to do it you have to want to be better you have to say I've got to impose myself how am I going to do that I'm going to come off the bench I'm going to put these free corners these free set pieces where the boss wants them because he can count on me because that, you look at it now, yeah. Moose, right? If you say, listen, I need somebody to save my life. I need somebody to come and put this ball here. Who are you right. going to choose? You're going to choose, mm. you're going to choose David Beckham. If you yeah, want to go back true. in time, you're going to use, you, if you're going to go back in time, you can use Manny Couts, right? Manny Couts, <laughs> wow, oh we're going there. <laughs> we went there. Manfred we went Couch. there. Oh my goodness. <laughs> wow. But you understand Manfred. what I'm saying though, Moose? Guntanetsa. Guntanetsa. What can I say, guys? But thanks for coming to the yard. Uh, Always a pleasure. Thanks for coming, Moose. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to leave. I got, you know what? So I've got to do some stuff for, for the murky people, for the murky books, man. Oh, really? Shout yeah, out to murky. Do, we love them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Massive no shout doubt. out to murky. So we've got to do that. Moose knows all about that. So for can sure. I say thanks? Thanks for coming to the house. Always right, a pleasure. House. Always a pleasure. Take my we'll, do it again. Again. we'll have to reconvene. <laughs> That's the joy of the house. <laughs> See you soon. the yard. See you soon. See you soon. God bless. Bye. So thanks to Musa. Thanks to Jeanette. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week. Um, don't forget, you can get Righty's House on all platforms alongside Stadio, of course. Ryan will be happy that I've said that. And um, you can uh, give us a review if you like. I feel very Ryan-y at the moment. Anyway, I'll speak to you soon. Take it easy. See you next week.